Alright. Really appreciate you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for coming. Uh, I just want to take some time to connect before before I go into this next interview with Scott McCloud. Just talk to you, the person listening. You know, how you doing? Yeah, you doing good? Hopefully, you're not shrimping. If you are, make sure you're sitting up straight, not slouched over. Let's just take 10 seconds to kind of realign. So, uh, wherever you are, close your eyes. And then we're just going to breathe in. some rebranding because just due to a lot of things I've noticed that the quality is not where I wanted it to be I was feeling sad when I was doing episodes so I wanted to change up a couple of things and I think I finally found a happy medium that I hope you guys are going to enjoy Um, so bear with me first I want to thank all women everywhere just because y'all dope second I hope you're well I hope you're happy I hope you're drinking water if you're not I hope you hear this and kind of get re-energized to drink some water. Remember, um, water is dope, you know, we need water, drink it. Um, but all that being said, I would like to welcome you to Things I Tell My Plants. Um, this is deeply rooted conversations, uh, with creative seeds from all walks of life, um, with the only goal to grow towards the sun. Um, this interview that I'm doing now with Scott McCloud, it took, uh, it took place at a time on Earth um, in 2021. I really forgot like whatever date it was, but I don't really think it matters because it's really that I sat down with Scott McCloud. He's a dope individual. If you haven't checked him out, you should check him out. Um, Scott McCloud on all platforms everywhere. Um, he really does it all. I'm not going to kind of spoil the episode, but he really does do it all. Uh, but we talk about artistic integrity uh, and how he kind of grew into that and the things that he had to overcome uh, to kind of get to where he is too as well. But really, we just chopping it up. Uh, each interview is always honest. Um, the focus really is going to be on growth. Um, so we say some things, but everything is out of is out of growth, you know. Um, so we're just uh, you know unapologetic, uh, unapologetically us. Um, so I hope you can take from it what you need. Uh, but if not, just kind of listen to it, you know, give it some thought. Uh, if you like what you hear, um, hit, you know, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, so, uh, I don't have any other places to go, but uh, just kind of uh, focus on this one. Listen to other episodes, download those things, um, share it. It's anything that, you know, rate us, any, uh, anything that can uh, give me like stats or analytics hit me up on twitter um all the links will be in the bio too as well for all the other uh places that we shout out uh or any other black businesses too as well that we can support because remember putting black uh putting black dollars back into black hands and black neighborhoods creates black capital 
Um, so I really wanted to start to support some of that. I'm gonna stop talking now because I'm pretty sure y'all are tired of me. Uh, join us as this interview is always uh, it's already in progress. And also, it's again though the concept is a looking glass, looking back at ourselves um, to see what we can take from it, and also kind of just like you know a space and time. Hope you enjoy. And yeah, that's it. Interview with Scott McLeod. You know, my energy for free, and I'm like, I think it's time for people to start paying. You know. Yeah, that's a story for all creatives. Like the time when when do we start charging, motherfuckers? And, and what is the price? You know, what's the price too as well? Especially if you not like. So I came into the art world like not trained, you know, in literally anything. So it was just me, just like you know, just kind of trying to make sure that I'm not stepping on toes, but also that like, hey, I did like buy the materials and trying to you know make a name for myself in a way of. Like, this is me. I took all the time and work and effort and created these works of art, you know? You know what, I, you know what, I really, what I've learned, though? On this journey, and some of it what I learned real quick yesterday, I was watching this interview. I know you're, you're probably familiar with TED Talk. I forgot the name of the dude um, who, was, who was doing it, but he said, people pay for the why. They don't pay for the product itself. So, like, artists, we value the fact that we spit X, Y, and Z on our right. product. And we think our product is worth more. But people is going to buy what we... People's going to buy the why, which is the connection that they have internally with what we're pitching to. Is it the story that, like, that we give or, like, the creative journey that we describe to them through our art to get them to buy? Or do you yeah, really think... Be- Okay. It could be that too. It could be the journey. Because uh, you know what I'm saying? People love a journey. And that's one thing I was learning when I was watching, I was reading this book called Get Back. And it was mm-hmm. like, how, how can you get rich people pretty much to invest in you? And one of the biggest keys is the journey, um, the story. Because people want to be emotionally connected to, not just to you, but to what you do. And that's one thing I, I, I kind of failed in doing myself. So when I started not only reinforcing it, but kind of like, okay, maybe I need to change up some things. Right. And, you know. I mean, do you think that, like, you, like, you know, going back, looking through and, like, you know, changing some things, do you think it was something that just came through as one thing? Or was it, like, kind of like an awakening? Like, you, you unlock one thing, and then you start to see the inefficiencies. Yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, I seen what worked, and then I think, and then, you know, our arrogance, like, well, shit, it worked once. God damn it, it's gonna work again. Right, right. And again and again, until we don't want it to work no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, unfortunately, that's just not how business works. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it may have worked on the first few times, you're like, okay, cool. I think I should probably raise the price a little bit. And then that's when you realize, like, oh, shit. It ain't working like I thought it was going to work. Maybe I should change up some things. I mean, have you, done dr- have you done drastic things to change up at that point? Or is there a... I mean, is there a part... So, like, 
obviously there's two sides to the spectrum, you know, so you, you reach the side where you need to change everything. Have you changed some things that did work because you were overcorrecting? Uh, no, I didn't change anything that did work. What I did, what I'm, what I'm doing, I'm still doing, I'm transitioning to understanding the whole meaning of market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's time to adapt to that, but also don't lose true to self. So, like, my product is going to be the same for right now, but how I, how I present it and how I um, pitch it is going to be different. Like, I still do the same things I've always been doing, but now it's um, how I'm pitching it to you is different, how I'm giving it to you is different. You know, so mainly just get mainly just allowing people to buy in more. So before what I was doing, I was painting them the picture of the of the Sky McCloud persona, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which looks good, you know what I'm saying? But people didn't hear me. Right. They just like, oh, I see it. But you know, it's cool, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? I can still go to somebody else that looks just as cool, you know what I'm saying? But now now it's about speaking to people more mm-hmm. let people know that um, I'm human I still am a guy and I still do you know do my hard work and I still grind but now I have a voice too right and then like any any smaller service I do outside of what I really want people to buy into I, it's about understanding that um, uh, pretty much I forgot the dude's name, but he said, um, you sell to people who believe what you believe. And the more you preach upon what you believe, it's going to be somebody that's going to connect to what you believe. And then that's when you, and that's when they buy in. So the more we speak about our journey, what we believe about what our, what our services and what we are doing for you or the, for the other people. And it says, why? You should be invested in, invested into us. It's because we are are no different. You know what I'm saying? Right. So no matter how big we get on the totem pole, we always want to make sure that they know that we are no different from you or the person that's buying our product, and we are you know in sync with each other. Just keeping it humble. Keeping it humble, even though our lives, even though our lives may not be humble on the outside, but our product is home. It's like a product for the people, by the people kind of thing. You always want to pitch that. Mm. At least that's what I got out of what he was saying. Yeah. You know, it's like um, we want to convert the people who buy second, you know, who have to be shown the way. Those mm. are people we have to convert. You know, because the people that get it, get it. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you know, you know. Those are going to be, yeah, the ones who know, know. Those will be the diehards of everything that we do. It's the people who have to see it, somebody else buy into it first. Because those are the ones, you know, the, a lot, most people in this world are secondhand. Yeah. They want to see somebody else do it. They want to see somebody else succeed before they do it. Versus being the first. Most people want to be second, third, and fourth. They don't want to be first because first is too much risk. Yeah. So we want to convert to second people. Mm, okay. Okay. 
And I didn't, they didn't really dawn on me until I watched that interview. And it was like 11 years old. I have the link in my, I'm about to get your phone number. I'll just send you the link. Yeah, but, um, definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, it was only 18 minutes long, but it made so much sense. Yeah. And he said, um, and then with another thing that stuck out, it was more bi, he said it's more biological than it is psychological. Mm. He said it's more so how your, how your brain everything that's on the inside connects you know to a person you know emotionally physically mentally how yeah. in your waking moments how do you feel when you're not like I would say activated by something you know like yeah, almost like a almost like your standing thoughts you know what are your standing thoughts are your standing thoughts like negative but are the but also, like, they can be negative, but are they always negative? Like, being yeah. able to, like, sit, like, just basically lose myself in the moment. Like, I, the only example I can think of is when I'm looking at a building, you know? Sometimes I look at a building, I'm like, man, this is dope. And I'm thinking in my head, like, when did they make this building? Why did they do it this way? And I'm thinking, like, but also, what do I like about it? You yeah. know? But I also enjoy buildings outside of everything else, you know. I think buildings are the only thing, at least in my mind, that don't have, like, the racial, or to me, um, it's only, like, one of a couple of things that don't really have, like, a racial element to it, you know? Like, I see there's just the beauty in it, you know? And, like, a building, a building doesn't care about your birthday. A building isn't racist. A building can be, a building can be beautiful, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I never heard anybody say that before. I mean, I look at Milwaukee and I look at all the architectural designs and stuff like that. And my, or at least I guess my concept or at least my taste in designs had to be like symmetry because like Frank Lloyd Wright. If you look at a lot of Milwaukee buildings, they're German architecture. So that's a lot of triangles, a lot of squares, a lot of wood, uh, a lot of mending of nature and nurture, you know? Like UWM pretty much. UWM is built that way with like Space Plaza. They wanted it to build it that way. So like when I'm you know, walking around, like, I'm looking at the buildings, and the buildings are kind of the, the buildings exemplify, or the buildings kind of reverberate the space that you're in, you know, so I'm like, these buildings, a lot of these buildings are old, you know, yeah, so when you, when you go to different cities, um, how does the, the architecture and the landscape of the city, or the environment of the city, how does that make you feel when you go to different cities? Like, do you get, like, a certain energy from the, the, the facilities and, you know, and the, like I said, the buildings and the way, the way everything is designed in that city? Does that contribute to the way you feel about that city, that energy that you get from it? I mean, I would say, yeah. When you really think about it, buildings are towering things, you know? So you have to have certain angles, certain lighting, you know, think about certain things. So like someone took a lot of care and design to like fill the building and you can tell a good building from a bad building, you know, um, and you can tell a unique building from a building that was built off of someone else's like unique work. Um, just like, you know, it, I think it's just a, it's just a piece of art. It's a piece of history that's kind of still there, you know, um, and it's one that you can kind of absorb, you know. Um, like, I, I mean, I've been to a, a lot of cities, um, like, I think a couple of years ago, I went on a road trip, um, with a friend, and we were driving through Seattle, but we went through a lot of towns and stuff like that, from Milwaukee to there, um, and it was one of those things where whenever we were in a different town, I would try and grab a beer, 
you know, locally there, you know, so like to see exactly what ingredients they use and stuff like that. And then we would walk around if we had the opportunity and just see some of the, you know, just look around and, you know, like when you're at least in my, well, I need to stop doing that. But when I'm present, I, I can feel, you know, the environment around me. Milwaukee definitely has a different energy, a different vibe. So I do know when I travel as well, like when I first, when I, usually when I first touch down in a city, I don't, um, I don't take the bus, I don't take Uber, I don't rent a car, I walk. Mm. I walk everywhere for like the first day. So I can, one, visualize how the people look, you know, um, like visualize the energy of the people, how fast they move and how slow they move in. What is their facial expressions like? Is it, you know, is it live? Is it, is it moderately paced? Is it laid back? Are they pleasant? Um, I look at the, you know, like you said, I look at the agriculture. I look at the trees. I look like, how is everything designed? How is the houses look? Like, I'm in a neighborhood. How is the houses really looking at this? We got gates on it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like does their hood look, look like a hood or does it not look like a hood? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just little stuff. Like, I got to feel the energy. I got that. I got to smell it. I got, you know. And you can only, you can only do that when you're present in that moment because you literally have to, like, you know, it's not cleaning your mind, but you have to, you have to reach back into the knowledge base that you have and actually kind of disconnect the motion and just sit there and study it, you know? Without having, you know, and basically just be there, be present, and just enjoy, you know? Yeah. And that's just what it is. I don't know, because I kind of want to do that. Like, I'm scared a little bit, but I want to do that in, like, um, in another country. Like, I damn near don't want to be on, like, somewhere fucking pleasant. Yeah. Like, I want to I see, I want to see the real people, even if I can't understand what they're saying, you know, physically. But, you know, body language should say everything, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I want to see what they eat, and I want to see what they drink, and I want to know what they dancing to do. I want to know, know what they singing to. I want to, you know, tap in. I mean, it's it's always nice to tap in, too. Like, when I, I... I always bring up Seattle because it's like, I'm a... As most people would know, like, I'm a, I'm a walkie person, like, born, raised, lived in. Like... I was wearing Bucks jerseys out there, you know, still talking Milwaukee when we was out there. I know people get tired of it, and they're like, why you do that? I'm like, because, like, Milwaukee really is a unique city. And, like, even, like, past all the race shit, like, yo, like, we really have the best of all worlds. Uh, well, maybe not all worlds, but we have the best of multiple worlds in the city that makes it, like, culturally relevant. Like, we are culturally uh, relevant right now, you know? And we've been culturally relevant since the 90s. It was just that people looked at Chicago as, like, being better than us, and it's just because they have more people. Um, They're you know? more international, just a little bit. Milwaukee is, too, but I think that Milwaukee has that flair of the international already built in, you know? Yeah. Like, we don't... I can see that. We don't need to. I mean, it would it would be very helpful to be a to be a bigger city, um, but we don't really need to be a big city, you know. Like, I think if we're a bigger city, it would be trash, you know. I feel yeah. like this is the perfect amount of people, the perfect amount of mix of pop. Well, not the perfect mix of population or perfect anything, but it is a good mix of population, people, and culture. Yeah, 
and arts. I, I wish there were more arts, but like it's a good mix, you know. It's not oversaturated in other areas. Like you can still you can tell the vibe of Milwaukee even if you're not getting all the other you know all the other essences. Are we kind of re- I don't know. I, like Milwaukee kind of reminds me of when I learned about Seattle. It kind of reminds me of Seattle yep. a little bit. It kind of reminds me of. It's like, or even, or even San Fran, just a, a bigger San Fran. Yeah. So, because we have that mixture, you know what I'm saying? Like we got, we got blacks, we got whites, we got Asians, we got legs, we got, you got Jamaicans, we got. Man, we got damn near everybody. We got Puerto Ricans, we got some everybody. So it's kind of like a mixture, and then you got, you got the hippies, you got, you know, everything. And then, you know, when you go to the arts, like you said, being a part of the Midwest is we tap into some everything across the globe. So, and we just fuse it. Like, I think like uh, Milwaukee is like a city where it is the fusion. Yeah, definitely. That's a good, that's a good way to describe Milwaukee. It's a fusion of culture. Like, we still got our own, but we can we just have this ability to adapt a lot of things and then just it's almost it's almost like a Midas touch you know like Milwaukee and Algonquin means I think it means like the land of no I wish man I wish I could remember it but it also means good land uh, so like I think of it more as like my, my cousin has a well yeah my cousin has a brand uh, Mild Fever and also a City of Maker shout out um but, like, I think of that, like, city of makers. Like, everybody I know is always trying, not always trying to, but they are always develop, developing themselves in a different way to, to become more multifunctional, you know? And that's yeah. not a, you know, like, you, I, I, it's not like I, you know, run into a lot of people that just do one thing, you know? Most people in Milwaukee are doing multiple things and doing those things well, you know, especially when they can speak on it and, uh, and show for it, you know? And we can see that, like, within, just like today, like, uh, like, uh, uh, Oliver Prime, though, did, um, did a, uh, a pop-up art show slash merch, uh, slash merch sale at a plant shop, you know? And I was like, that's dope, because I would buy a lot of those things, you know? Yeah, I, I would never have thought to use a pot shop. Oh, no, sorry, plant shop. Yeah. Plant shop, but I mean, like, but yeah, like little things like that. Like, I even tried to go to Knuckleheads and like, um, like Knuckleheads, and I got something in the works where, like, you know, I'm gonna try and do something there, you know. So like, like, and it, it wasn't the fact of like I could go anywhere else and you know do it, but I'm like, I want to do it kind of here, you know. Like this is kind of yeah. like, you know, like again though, like we just known for doing something different. Like, did you ever feel that Milwaukee? Or did you ever feel like growing, or at least growing up creatively, that like, that you, that you had to be one thing? Or was it like intrinsically in you to be multifaceted? Um, well for me, everything kind of just steamrolled into the next. Um, growing up, I can say in high school, I didn't really know who the fuck I was anyway. So... For me, I was just frustrated. I was just a frustrated teenager. I didn't really know what the, what the fuck I was. Um, I just knew I had something inside of me that I was trying to get out. I just didn't know how to get it out. Yeah. Um, but 
when I left Milwaukee, that's when I became, you know, who, who I, you know, who I wanted to be. But then when I came back to Milwaukee, I had such a freedom about myself that was, you know, slightly different, you know. Um, but for me, being multifaceted came by default. I had to, I wanted to stand out. And that's when the whole multifaceted shit came about. And that's when I discovered I was good at different shit. You that, know, um, yeah, definitely. But, but um, after talking to different people that wasn't from Milwaukee, that just came, just passed them, either passing through the city or was from a different city, they just lived here because of their family or whatever, I soon realized that Milwaukee is one of the rare cities that you can actually be whatever and whoever the fuck you want to be. Yeah, definitely. Especially for a black person. I mean, most black people from the hood don't really know this because they haven't really tapped in yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But for me, being a black person, I didn't been through. I didn't been through. From, I could I always say I've been through trap house and penthouse. I didn't see it. I didn't see both. And then yeah, I've seen it all. I didn't. I didn't been to you know to the duck dog areas where people play never house music and coked out parties. To me, being a VIP. With Brandon Jennings mm. when he used to play here. You know mm, what I'm saying? Yeah. And being through fashion runway shows and Larry Sanders walks through this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I saw that one. And so for me, I kind of seen it, everything. So, and that's when I realized Milwaukee really has the freedom to be whatever you want as a black creative. And you don't have to be pigeonholed into being a tough guy. You don't have to be pigeonholed into being this extra weirdo, flamboyant guy that's not you. You have the freedom to just be. You do, know. Do you feel that the city allows? Do you feel like the city allows you to be, or do you yeah. feel that it's more of like the crews that like, or the, I guess like you know your 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 entourage, you know the people that you're around. Uh, I can say a little bit of both. I know my homies, they kind of understood what the fuck I was, you know, you know, because they see me, you know, growing up as a kid until now. So they understood it. Like, you know, they like, Sky just doing, you know, he's just doing him. He's doing what he want to do. Right. And then, you know, when, I, when I'm not with them, because um, I do everything mainly by myself. So I be by myself a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so when I, especially when I first started doing music and I was, I was, you know, pitching my music to a lot of the, a lot of people who was like, nigga, you dope. But they couldn't put their finger on me. You know what I'm saying? It was like, they couldn't figure me out. You know what I'm saying? It was like, dog, this dude is dope. And he got this energy about him, but I can't quite figure him out. Mm-hmm. But they accepted it. They accepted the fact that he was he was dope and he was different. But he's standing on his own tip, on his own ten, ten toes down about what the fuck he's doing. So it was almost kind of like I got to sit back and watch, and I'm rocking with him because he's rocking with himself so tough. So that allowed me the freedom to be around so many different crews, so many different types of people, regardless of race and economic, you know, economic standings, you know. And I think. Um, I probably couldn't do that in a bigger market. As much as I would like to have been in a bigger market, 
I couldn't have done that in Chicago because everybody's so triggered, you know what I'm saying, by one thing. Yeah. You know, like, it's so racial. Like, every, if you parted this one race, you're only allowed to do X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, or I couldn't have done that in L.A. because everybody in L.A. has one sound, one look. Yeah. One, one, one sauce. New York is a melting pot. But at the end of the day, everybody kind of bites off of what's hot over there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a big-ass melting pot, but everybody still bite the iron. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you still feel like that happens in Milwaukee? Um, or at least uh, in, in the kind of creative crowds that you kind of go in, um, just with the within the sense that it feels it feels that Milwaukee is like just picking the people that they like, but also you know in the sense of there's not really that much artistic opportunity unless you're rolling in certain crowds. Uh, I can say yes and no, and the reason why I say I say yes because it's clickish. But um, no, it's because the people who they technically want to win ain't really winning. You know what I'm saying? And um, and the artist community is different because, like you said, there's pockets, it is crews. But it's like that everywhere you go. Right. But um, so for me, I, I look at it as which crew can raise the most money. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. So now my, my, my mental is more focused on business, more so focused on crews and favoritism. Because even now, I know when it comes to being a creative, it's all about who can raise the most money and who can get to the bag. Mm-hmm. Who can ever figure out, whoever can figure out how to get to that bag within their own lane, it's the ones who's, or it's the ones who's really winning. And if you really look about, look at who's around them, they really only got one. It's either them and then maybe two other people. Right. It's not. It's not a whole. It's not a whole clan of motherfuckers. If you really think about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the ones who's really getting to the bag ain't really too much worried about crews, clicks, or none of that shit because they already tapped in, figured out this is my lane. This is my market, and this is who I'm pitching my work to. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I feel and you, man. Ones, and the ones who's really sitting there worried about clickish this and people don't fuck with me that, those are the ones who's losing and get to the bag. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they haven't tapped it. They haven't, found, they haven't found the people who rock with them. I mean, I'm I'm kind of in that you know that scenario, man. I'm just trying to. It's it's hard sometimes because I'm. I may just be stuck in my ways, you know. Maybe I'm just too jaded, you know, to to see some of, some of the bags that's out there. But you know, I'm no, learning. It, it's um, it's another little nugget I had to learn. Um, I had said it in my in that in my last interview. It's how to be a service to people. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like my videographer uh, that I used to work with, who I shot most of my dope ass videos came from him. But um, I have watched him become a rapper. Mm-hmm. Mildly, I could say mildly successful 
before he heard the vocal cords. Like he did like his own Southeast tour funded by um, by other brands and companies out of his you know, not of his not not out of his own pocket, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And nobody in Milwaukee knew who the fuck he was. But he had like packed crowds of number white teenagers rocking out to his shit. You know what I'm saying? And he made and this was the era where you can make rap anthems and eat. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like the like the uh, the tech nines. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. And then I see him transition to videographer. You know, and uh, and he was doing videos for rappers and shit like that. They would they couldn't really afford what he was trying to do. Yeah. And then I see him transition to being a videographer for corporate America. Doing mm. seminars and stuff like that. Now he has his own production media company, and he started to do guest speaking roles and stuff like that. Right. So it's really one. You just never know where life is going to take you. Two. Um. You just gotta stay in your lane long enough, and and provide services for people that you that what you good at. Right. And then and then it steamrolls into other shit. Do you think, do you think that, like, well, hmm, before we get into that, we should probably, I should probably do an intro or something. (laughs) We we just hop straight into it. Well, I like to get it warmed up, you know, most of the time, like, when I'm doing these podcasts or episodes and shit, uh, I'm just trying to, like, get a feel, get people warmed up, because, like, I don't, I do these as times and places, you know, or times and spaces, so, like, I may, like, if I get done with this pretty quickly, or get it, like, you know, edited the way I want to, like, this may go out, like, next week, or it may go out three months from now, you know, so, like, <clears throat> the podcast is, like, more like an interview, but more of a space where you can, like, get some shit off of your chest, you know, um, because I feel that, like, we go back and look and listen, if especially, uh, or at least in my case, I go back and listen and feel that, you know, I can always improve. But also, I don't know, like, you know, being able to get some things off of my chest um, allows me to, like, allow love in my heart, you know, and not have all that resentment. But, you know, our feelings are our feelings. I can't feel another way. I may be wrong for saying most of the things I say, but... You know, I'm saying them out of a place of basically being able to understand them, get through them, and work through them, you know? And I just do it audibly because, I mean, in a pandemic, you don't, you can't do that by yourself. You don't belong up there with your thoughts, you know? Sometimes you just got to hear it from somebody else, you know, from another open mind in a, in, a, in a safe space or in a place that you can really feel safe to, like, have those thoughts and be able to, like, kind of process them. So, I like these episodes as just, like, you know, random interviews, pretty much. It's me interviewing a lot of dope people that I have seen out there, you know? And just a random assortment, you know? Because, like, I don't know who takes what from what, but, like, as long as you have, like, a variety of people, basically, who are dope. And I always believe in anyone that I invite on here to be dope, you know? Anyone can be dope. I can invite anybody on here to do it, you know? But I choose the people I choose because I'm like... Like, I see you out here, you know? And it's not like a boost or whatever. It's like, listen, I just... This is an easy way for me to have a conversation with another creative, get some shit off of my chest, and, like, hopefully they can get some shit off of their chest, and this helps everybody out, you know? Even if it's not for me, you know? 
Yeah, because creatives have to talk. It's funny because, you know, as much as, you know, we say it's, you know, clicks and crews, which they are, what I realized is when we come together, we always talk shit. You know, we always talk about different moves and different agendas and different <laughs> ideals, you know, different ways to approach, approach, you know, our crafts, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, no matter how segregated we think we are, we're really not, you know what I'm saying? We're really not too far away from each other, you know? You know, when I'm thinking of like doing and like connecting with people and doing like projects and stuff like that, it's literally for the love of the city, for like a person that, you know, for people that love the city, you know? And like, it, there's, you know, no bread, it's all self funded. So, like, you know, like I think that's the bigger thing is that I, I don't want to take a bag from, you know, from anything that's going to like limit my creative control. And that means like I can't even like apply for grants, you know? And that's something personal that I just put on myself to not apply for a grant. You know, I can easily apply for a grant, do what I need to, but I'm like, this will have to take as long as it takes if it's a labor of love. Mm. You know, because I, I need to, like, I've just had, I've been burned before, maybe again, the, me being jaded and just not knowing a couple, of, you know, not knowing a lot of things about it and not being, like, trained in it, but, like, I've just been burned before in certain aspects of it, and I just, like, literally told myself, like, literally, you just gotta do everything. You know, you got to have your hands in everything because at one point you're going to have to pay somebody to do this and you don't want to be that person that's overpaying someone for something that you can do yourself, yes. you know, or just uh, like overpaying someone because you don't know how to do it and you don't want to learn how to do it, you know? Thanks. I feel, I definitely understand that 150% because, man, that has, that's where I've been at in the last two years of doing every fucking thing and it, it's draining people don't like doing everything yourself is draining definitely mentally and, and, inner, and emotionally and sometimes physically and then you always have that age old question time versus money but like you said you want to find the right people to pay to do the shit that you can't do or pay them their full rate yeah, full rates or something you can do, you just don't have time to do. But like you said, once you learn everything, it's almost like you got to be a soldier before you can be a chief. And it's like once you become the chief, you already been in the position of a soldier, so you know what the soldier's supposed to fucking do. Right, right. So it's like you can't, so can't nobody really bullshit you. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard to, de- you know, it's hard to develop or at least get past the, you know, those like brick walls sometimes, um, because you feel that you can't even climb over it. You know, you trying to go around it, you can't go around it. You trying to like, well, I guess I got to get a drill and like make a way through, you know. But sometimes you just don't have the tools, you know, and it's and it's hard because you know that that next step, like you know, that next step is really pretty much a catapult, you know. And it's not yeah. like it's not like a it's not like a big step either. It's literally you just can't get around it, you know. And, that, and maybe that's just a mental block within me. But I just feel that the pandemic locked a lot of things. It let me know. I mean, the universe let me know a lot of things too, as well. So it, you know, it's it's always a constant struggle. You know, and that's the that, at least that's the emotional toll it takes on me. Like. You know, like when I'm leaving work, you know, I, you know, I should be, you know, doing more art, but I don't want it to make it feel like a chore, but also like the same goes like you, you need content, you know, 
Like anytime yeah. you can, you gotta. I always am a huge proponent of like using the time after work. Like that's my time. Like I shouldn't basically say like, oh, I never have enough time because I do have time. It's just like, how do I spend it? Yeah, I think because I, you know, I used to. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I, ha- I quit my job, so I'm pretty much a full time creative now. Yeah. And uh, the first two months, the first three months, I can say was going splendidly well. But, you know, I ran into some hiccups. But either or, I can say that what work has done has trained my mind to still treat my craft like a nine-to-five. So whenever I decide to create, I still got to put my eight hours in or my eight to ten hours in if I did this overtime. Right. You know, so that's one thing that I have adopted is that like one thing I can't say about having a job and still being an entrepreneur on the side is that um, work ethic. Like having a job will teach you work ethic, even if you bullshit at your job eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. The simple fact that you got to train your mind to do shit that you don't want to do, and then once you, and then once you trigger that, once you quit or whatever you do, move on. That work at the carries on to what you love to do because it's like okay I did some shit I didn't like to do for eight hours a day but now I have time to do what I want to do eight hours a day but that work at the trans, you know transitions to discipline I already have self-discipline to put that work in because I was already squeezing that work in after my eight-hour day right so, so after you come home from your eight hours you probably wind down for about two, and they'd be like, "Damn, I, I got, I want, I got to do my craft because it's in me to do it." So now you're putting in that that extra four to six hours. Like, how did you know when it was that time to quit and like, you know, make that leap? Was it just something that obviously it was intrinsically in you, like, because you've already been doing that work, but like. Like, can you just walk through that moment? You know, do you remember that moment? Yeah, because, I, I mean, for me, it was like, once I realized the pattern, I had a pattern at every job I had. Every job I had, it was always something that, um, within my craft, that I always felt I needed to do. It didn't matter if it was a performance. It didn't matter if it was acting. It didn't matter if it was modeling. I was canceling work to do those things. So I was legitimately taking the risk of getting written up, getting fired, getting suspended to do what I love to do. Because they wasn't giving me my days off. Right. You know what I'm saying? The matter of and then and then it came to a point where I was miserable. Like my last job, I can honestly say I was emotionally not there. You know, when you just check out. Yeah. I was checking out every day. And it was times where I was just at my job and I and I was doing security, so I was dropping the mobile. So I was thinking like, what would it be like if I just drove this motherfucking mobile off the parking deck? Yeah. Would I live or will I die or will I just be extremely fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've been there before, yeah. <laughs> so it really came down to like, okay. I'm miserable as fuck. When, is, when am I in my life going to gamble on me? 
a hundred percent like not just working and then come home take that like i said that two hours each of my right and put that extra work in on your craft when is it going to be time for me to stop being a pussy about what the fuck i do am i gonna be scott mccloud part-time or be scott mccloud full-time i eventually gotta make it up make that up in my head mm-hmm. and that's what it came down to it was like Am I gonna continuously risk getting fired for doing shit that I love to do? Or I'm just gonna do what I love to do and also get rich or die trying shit. You know, I used to bump that that record that 50 cent all the time, like and not because he was saying the most gangsters of shit, but the whole mentality of get rich or die trying. Like my back is against the wall. I ain't got shit to lose. Stuff, you know that flight of that, that was they call it that fight or flight mm-hmm. mentality yeah that live or die sink or swim if I'm gonna give it 110 percent or not at all you know what I'm saying if I can live with myself if I, I gave myself 100 percent on what I do and what I love and I just fail and I just I had to accept the fact that I just failed at it and I died mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying versus never doing it and I and I accepted my fate as a fucking buster man that's I'm not saying working for a job makes you a buster because it doesn't right and I thought that I was helping out when I was talking you know when I talk to people about like my art show and what I do I kind of feel like that and I'm trying to figure out like you know what's the difference between feeling like that and like not being like the imposter syndrome, you know. Did, have you had bouts with that imposter syndrome? Yeah, you have to understand. Like, I created the whole Sky McCloud persona when I was in college at the age of like 21, 22. And persona is just something, it's just another word. It's not a word of being fake, it's a word of being. I forgot the, the real definition, but it doesn't mean fake. It's something who you portray to be. Right. It's something who you are. It's how you present yourself to the world. You know what right. I'm saying? That's pretty much what this is. How you present yourself to the world. So when I was creating this, I had to be this full time. Like, it just felt right to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't be... I just I just couldn't live with the fact of me pushing carts for the rest of my life at Walmart. Yeah. I couldn't live with driving a security car eight hours. Yeah. Day. And then, because you got to think about, like, me, due to, at least locally, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say I'm famous or nothing, shit, like that, like, it ain't lines of people waiting for my autograph or no shit like that. Right. I'm not going to, I ain't going to jack it down and say that type of shit. But I am somewhat recognizable. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. And there are people like that, too, as well. So when I was working these regular ass jobs and people will approach me and the look that they gave me made me feel insecure I'm not gonna lie like I did feel insecure when people noticed me at my job mm-hmm. cause it made me feel like I was a fucking fake mm. like I worked so hard to do the Sky McCloud thing to do the photos to, to present my creativity to show people who look like me, everyday, everyday, everyday black people that 
you can strive to be something different, something unique, something beautiful, and you don't have to continuously follow the same, um, the same stereotypical black guy that's being presented every fucking where you turn on the TV, right, or on the internet. And that's why I kind of do what I do. That's why I, I do the elegant shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can give them, I can give them that option that you can see somebody that's still young and black. You don't have to be 50 years old to present a certain elegance, a certain class about yourself. And then when people see me at my regular job and they look at me, it made me feel like, damn, like on what you have a regular job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And then it's like I would get to like these little debates or whatever on Facebook, and the people would throw that out there as like an insult. So it came to the point where it's like I have to be Scott McCloud full time, yeah, or not at all, due to the quality of what I present. Yeah, yeah, man, I, man, I can resonate with that, man. I kind of fell into the Milwaukee thing the same way, but. It just, just like you said, like, it felt right, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it just did, you know? Like, I I can't see myself being any other way. I feel like I, if I were in any other city, I feel like I would be the same way, you know? Man, that's dope, man. Damn, nice. man. We still we still need to do an intro, man. That's still, the, that's still us just warming. No, I'm just kidding. That's a good intro. <laughs> so usually what I do for my intros is that I, I, I love karaoke. Uh, I'm, I'm big mad the pandemic kind of shut everything down because I used to go over to a place like this Korean place and actually just do karaoke there, sing a whole bunch of Fall Out Boy songs and drink all the sake. Um, <laughs> I used to fuck with Fall Out Boy. It was, it was pretty dope. Man, listen. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm actually going to do a flex, man, by, uh, by Polo G here. Uh, man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just a, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of vulnerability here. Uh, <clears throat> uh natural born hustler, man, stunning is my strong suit. Flexing with a hundred cash, look at what these songs do. Gangsta and a baller, baby, I do what I want to. I be with some stepper, man, I don't care what you going to do. Wet shit like the Warriors, all my niggas gon' shoot. He gon' have to take a loss, so my niggas gone to. I know a bad bitch and I know who she belongs to. I just picked a Cuban up from wifey bitchy stones new. Mm. Mm. So when I'm doing my art show, like I was like, I wanted to do my own soundtrack for it. And I wanted to like write my own bars for it. And I don't know, man. It, it just be it be feeling different because I'd be feeling like a poser, but at the same time, I'm like, "Lo, this is just something unique, different that, like, I just wanted my hands on, you know? Like, I could easily put a playlist together, but I'm like, I want to make a film with this too as well. And I'm like, I want these to do that. I want to make music videos for that, you know? You're a creator. I mean, that's like, I mean, it, it gotta be like that, you know. I feel like you it, to put for me at least, like I did. I've already done an art show before, and I know I say that a lot, you know, for the people that listen, which is probably nobody. But like, I've done an art show before, and I keep saying I was like, I made, I, I did an art show at a place that didn't even do art. I think a lot of a lot of people in the city will eventually 
get their roses, but it may not be in the way that they want it to be. And even even in, in regards to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, because right. what you did, what you did, you probably didn't know that you probably weren't aware of what you did now than, than you did before. But what, what you did was plant seeds. Yeah. You planted seeds for that venue to be like, oh, our show can actually work. So what you got to do is continuously plant your seed. And your roses may not be come from words of affirmation or a big-ass mirror with your face on it or, or a sculpture somewhere in the city. I mean, yeah. You know, but, it, it, but, it, but your seed or your roses may be just watching the city fucking grow off of what you created. And then somebody who's, who's in the know be like, you did that. Mm. You know? Yeah. I'd be jaded. Or, or it could just be like your happy place. So just know like, okay, I started this and now I'm eating. You know, people don't know I started it, but it's cool because everybody else is enjoying it. And they're coming up off of it, you know. Like, um, like for me, I see myself as a catalyst. Like, I may not ever get to where I want to be financially, but I know what I'm doing makes a somewhat of a difference in Milwaukee. Right. I may not get the the, the critical acclaim I want. Unless I move and then I, I strike it big and I do shit on bigger platforms. But I know deep down that this city needs more people like me. Who's going to push the envelope? Who's going to take those licks? So, like, right now, I feel like Milwaukee is in a space where people like our age taking the licks that people before us wasn't willing to take because mm. we see things totally different I think now we're taking the licks like uh, like for instance like the rapper Lakia she's going to take the licks on a higher scale for our culture yeah she's going to take the licks she's going to take all the Milwaukee insults She's gonna if she's if she's you know has enough balls you know figuratively speaking she's gonna get in the positions that a lot of us would never had an opportunity to get into because nobody wanted to put that kind of money up behind us but if she keep going at the rate that she's going she's gonna have to answer for us she's gonna have to be our voice and that's that's a lot of um, responsibility that's a that's a burden to some extent but if she's willing to do that unlike the other artists that came before her that was that was popping like the Rico Loves like mm-hmm. the Tanks like um, the Daniel Lees of the world like the Oprahs of the world they were unwilling to take those licks on the chin and disregarded the city like I just found out Three days ago, like uh, my guy Cleveland, that said he was he does a cleaning service. Um, he said the the corporate of the well the, the 
leader of the marketing board at Spotify is from fucking Milwaukee. Oh my God. And she is not tapped into the culture. So just think about if somebody like that was tapped in. And I'm not even saying putting her own money up, but I'm just saying a certain vouch here, a certain vouch there. Yep. A certain, uh, Mm -hmm. if she wanted to, if she wanted to, she could do like um, a Spotify festival hosted in Milwaukee. Got some of us. They didn't even got to be featured with our artists. They could they give us a small fucking stage. But the simple fact that she could possibly do that as, a, as her own marketing campaign or as a marketing campaign throughout the Midwest, you know, flex a little bit. Right. It's just the little things, you know. So for me, it's like, I feel like right now, as a way we have people like us that's willing to you know to step right on a limb travel a little bit put our faces and our names out there and take those links you know what I'm saying take yeah. those links of people saying that Milwaukee is this Milwaukee is that and that's defending it man talk and then continue to do no shit I mean yo talk a little bit more about like how how you became Sky McCloud and how how you how you see yourself fitting into like this Milwaukee architecture, you know, or let's say like Milwaukee shit, you know? Okay, so um I created the name Scott like my real name is Sebastian Kelly. Like I have no problem with saying it. I just mm-hmm. go under Scott McCloud because one, I like it has a ring to it. Definitely. And I am that I am that like it's not fake, like I am Scott McCloud. Um and that's how you can find me on every platform, Google, search it, whatever. So I created that name when I was in college. I was in a band. Um, I was, it's crazy because in high school, I was damn near last year through my whole years of high school. Uh, nobody gave a fuck about my musicianship skills. Everybody thought I sucked. No matter how many medals I went and got or volunteered and participated in, right. everybody thought I sucked through high school. So I went to college, I joined a band, and um, I had to create a nickname, I had to create a moniker for myself. So Sky, I, and I used to smoke a lot of weed back then, but I was on a balcony, <laughs> and I was looking at the sky, and it brought me so much peace, you know, like I lived on the third floor in that apartment, and I used to come up to that apartment and spark up, either by myself or with the homies. So I would look up to the sky and it brought me peace. And then I looked at the clouds, and the clouds were never stagnant. The clouds always kept moving. But I was like, I can't call myself Sky Cloud because that don't even make you know that doesn't have a ring to it. Right. So the sky brought me peace, and then I put the MC in front of the uh, in front of the cloud as McCloud, first name, last name. But I stole that name from well, I stole the name McCloud from Highlander. Because mm. Highlander. I looked at the dude in Highlander because he was always the last man standing. No matter how many soldiers came from centuries ago to kill this nigga, mm-hmm. he survived and he murdered them all. <laughs> he said that brutally. Right. But he murdered them all. He was the last. So it can only be one. 
some of your accomplishments, man. 
know, for me, my accomplishments, I've been I've been published in um, three different magazines. Um, one as a host, as a fashion show host. Um, the other two as a model stylist. Um, Push Magazine, Yvonne Magazine, Info Magazine. Oh, and uh, uh, hopefully I don't fuck up this name, but it was Urban, um, it was Urban Media Magazine or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So, I've really been featured in four. Um, I've been in a movie called 53206 that was shot here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, man, one of my favorites, man. One of my fucking favorites, man. Um, I was featured in that movie. Unfortunately, they couldn't get um, distribution for it. Yep. They were struggling for distribution for it. But uh, the trailer is still out there. I still use it as a promo. Um, my accomplishments, I can say... Besides that, I can say I'm the man who puts my own self on. Like Cloud University, that's all my whole thing. Um, I was doing productions for people like I did. I did. I shot some videos for Motor 3. Okay. Um, walking Home. Um, I did the whole fashion show host interviewer thing. I, I performed at four, four on four spotlight. So I've been on TV. I've been on TV before on uh, four on four spotlight years ago. I did promo work for clubs. The only thing that I can say I haven't done is be on TV more, be in more movies. Um, I've been on people websites as a model before. I did some of everything, man. I did some of everything. I mean, what was your what was your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do? Yeah. Man, make fucking uh, I can answer. Make fucking music is my favorite thing to do. Music is is the most liberating. Like I, I've kind of break everything up in energies. Music is a different energy. Modeling is a different energy. Acting is a different energy. Different energies and different focus levels. So what do you feel that, uh, like, music gives you, you know, that, like, other things don't? Liberation, stimulate, mental stimulation. It's like, um, it's mentally stimulating and that gives me the emotional freedom to do what the fuck I want. It's like, once you, like I tell people, like, once you learn the rules, you can break them. And, and I had a defining moment in music. I had a few defining moments in music. Like, um, when I was in the band in Chicago, I met, you know, Anthony Hamilton's, I met the Avants, I met the Chicago, the BJ Chicago kids, which is, he's doing his thing in the R&B scene. Um, I actually met, um, a few Hollywood actors now. I met Bone Thugs and Harmony. I did that. Um, I met Twister, I met Tracksters. Nice. I met, I've been around Grammy Award winning people. Um, that's what's unique about me. I've been around real Grammy Award winning people. I've been around 
really in their industries for real. For real, for real. Right. I met um, the director from The Wire. He was in Milwaukee. A lot of people don't know he was in Milwaukee doing a pilot show. I met Steve Harvey stylist when he was still on TV doing his whole stylist thing. I mean, he was doing his whole Steve Harvey show thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, know I'm, I know I'm on a tangent, but that's what makes my local hustle so fucking unique is that I was around all these dope-ass people and I learned more about the industry than going to college ever taught me. Right. Um, so I pulled information from these people and I, at the same time I learned how to, I learned my true power and I learned my true value. Like when I met the, uh, the director from The Wire and, um, and he came to Milwaukee to work on this pilot um, it's called like I think it's like Leap Men it was in Leap Men it was like I know my I know my director and my Faro can really tell me my my homie Faro can really tell me the name. I suck at names. And plus, I've been drinking a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> but anyway, for this pilot, right? He, he was telling me how a real union set is ran in Hollywood, and he studied underneath John uh, John Singleton. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that the levels of competition within the industry. And he was telling me how a real union set worked. And then I met um, one of the baseball players from the Brewers. Right. And I met Vince Vaughn, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals, linebacker from Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And I was around certain uh, actors who had industry credits. And I'm just feeding up all this information about how the industry really fucking works. And it, and it propelled and it prepared me to do what I do now. So that's what makes my journey so unique. It's like, yeah, you can be a local all you want, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not part of any crew. You can't see, I'm not part of any crew, any clique. It just so happens when you work with, and that's one thing I can tell any rappers. Any um, photographers try to work with videographers because they really the key to a lot of this shit because mm-hmm. they get booked for so much more than just a hip hop video right but anywho to answer your question music is the stimulation it's the key mm-hmm. like once you think about it like what do you do in your life when you don't hear music right and that's why I make music because it's the gateway you know, like people like, you know, when you go to middle school and they was teaching you about D.A.R.E. Mm-hmm. And they was like telling you marijuana is a gateway drug. Music is a gateway drug. Music will lead you to everything. Look how many celebrities you see started out doing music, ended up acting, ended up modeling, ended up on magazines, ended up owning businesses, ended up owning their own liquor brands, mm-hmm. ended up makeup brands, Rihanna, Fenty, you know, Kanye West, Yeezys. Right. You know, Jay-Z, Ducey, Ace of Spades, 50 Cent, Directing Power. Yeah. Music is the gateway drug to the industry. Me, I just love creating 
creating it. Like when I was in high school, I realized music was a path for me because I wasn't the best at reading music, but I can cut, uh, cut I can't pronounce the word, but music slowed down. Yeah. Like I was a saxophonist, but I played concert music since middle school, classical music since middle school, mm -hmm. before I even entered, to, entered to, to jazz. So for me, music slowed down when I was about 16, 17. So since I wasn't the best music reader, I had to um, hear every instrument at the same time simultaneously and understand when they were going to play, when they wasn't going to play, in order for me to know when I was going to play. Mm. So hearing all those parts work now as me making beats, I have that knowledge of where I can play any fucking genre I fucking want to. Right. I just chose to rap because I like rapping and I like expressing myself and I like being witty. Mm. I like the fact that I can be witty. I can be quirky. I like the fact that I can um, look how I want to as a black man. The simple fact that I'm an entertainer, I can get away with. <laughs> man, you know why go? I like, the, I like the freedom of being an entertainer. It's gratifying. Acting channels another, like I said, everything is energies. Mm. So I channel a different energy when I'm acting. So I'm not even Scott McCloud anymore. I could be Devin from Center Street if I fucking wanted to. Who the fuck Devin from Center Street is, I could be that. And I'm allowed to be that. Fashion is a way where I can speak without having to say my words. I can be, I can present myself and have a pre presentation where people can be like, damn, who the fuck is that? And I can, and I can style people. So, like I said, I'm multi-talented, but I style, started styling people just as a side hustle, just to make some money. Right. Because I under, because I understand personal style. So when I was a musician, strictly just a musician, I had to be able to do take photo shoots, and that's when I realized I was photogenic. So that led into modeling. Yeah. But I had to learn how to style myself. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I was never known for being stylish and being clean cut. But when I went to Chicago, that's when people realized that I was different from everybody else. And I had a sense of identity and a sense of individuality and a sense of style. Mm -hmm. So I brought that back to Milwaukee and I realized, okay, I have this one thing people tend to take from it. And I was modeling other people's clothes and people hated it. That like I, people were talking mad shit about me modeling other designers' clothes. I hate to say that to people, local designers, but they hated me in other people's clothes. Mm. But they loved me in mine. And right. people started like, I want you to style me. I want your creative vision for certain shit. So that's when I realized I could take the same, if I really thought about it, like whatever your process is as an artist, if you really thought about your process, you can give it to somebody else, but tweak it. Mm-hmm. So when I style people, like I just styled um, Unpredictable Drew. Is a, is, he's a big one of the bigger comedians in the city. I styled him, and I took what he what his natural moniker was, and I tweaked it. And I looked at his body type, his body type, and I looked at his tattoos, I looked at his hair, I looked at it. 
what his vision for himself was. And I implemented, and I, and I took not only what I know about fashion, but what I see, and I tweaked it to his liking. Mm-hmm. And it worked. So when I style people, I'm not necessarily styling people just off my vision, but I'm styling people off the vision of how they want to be represented. Right. And that's just another, that's another energy. That's another gateway. So music taught me all of this. Music taught me how to style. Music taught me how to be flamboyant. Music taught me how to be charismatic. Music gave me a voice. Music gave me a, a way where I can poke my chest out. Music mm. gave me a way where I can be eclectic. And I just transform those energies. Because if you think about it, like when you shoot a music video, you are acting. Right. You have to act like these, these women love you and you love these women. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have to act like it be like that. You know what I'm saying? You have to transform from yeah, you a regular dude on the block, but now you're the biggest dude on the block. And you have to carry that persona. Right. So music taught me how to act. Music taught me how to create that character. So everything stems from that. It's definitely a catalyst. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, like music is the gateway drug to entertain, in my opinion. Like I wouldn't be doing this interview if I didn't know, if I didn't get out of my shell as a musician. Yeah. I'll still be that shy-ass kid that I was when I was 15 on everything that like like I've done but I I don't see it through the rose colored glasses that I that I that I thought that I like you know that I endured you know it's always it's always worse <laughs> you know when you really think about it um but I do appreciate you coming out man you know I really do appreciate you like showing up for this call man you know it's no, it's long overdue. It's, I mean, it, it definitely has been, man. You talk about this for a year, bro. I, yo, I just get so much anxiety, man. Cause like, just like you, I do everything, but I just get a lot of anxiety and get in my head and get insecure about like the quality of it. But I mean, it's it's a unique form, you know. Like the conversations that like that we had, you know. You know, I'm, I may not, like, take it in now, but I may take it in, you know, later. But also, anyone else that may come across this, though, like, will take it in differently, you know? Yeah. And and that's what I, that's why I love about it, you know? And that's why I do all the awkward things I do on these video calls, you know? Because it's just doing it, you know? It's, going, it's not really going through the motion, but it's going through the motion, you know? Because I, I believe in the currency model, um, which is literally just produce something every time. Like, my man just produces, like, clockwork, like a fiend in them demon hours. And I'm just trying to find that balance. I'm really just, like, it feels like I'm just getting on the bike and it's like I'm just pedaling. But I don't know if this bike is right for me, you know? Maybe it's the seat. I need to know more about bikes, you know? <laughs> and it's just like you. It's just like... I need to, you know, I'm looking back at myself like I'm still doing some of those same things that I used to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not growth, you know. That's going backwards. Complacency kills. I never yeah, want to be know, complacent. It's, it's all about those subtle tweaks. 
Because you don't want to trick yourself too much and not lose your sense of self. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's why I, I mean, maybe I just look at things underneath a microscope and I don't need to, you know? Maybe I just go to, maybe I'm just, I'm too tapped in. I'm too focused, you know? <laughs> Sometimes it just happened, though. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just trying to make sure that, like, my, my, you know, that this move is my best move. Because sometimes, like, I, I've slipped before, you know, I've fallen, I've hit rock bottom, like, multiple times, and luckily, if I've, I've bounced back, but I'm like, it's getting, it's getting to that point where, like, a slip could, a slip could be it, you know? You know like, I slip, like and it, I slip, and I'm, I'm gone, you know, so. Put it like this, man, don't, I wouldn't even think about it, like, Grant, put it like, Grant, Grant, you know who Grant uh, Cardone is? Uh, I do not. He is a, a millionaire. Um, I believe he's in the sales business. He's a multi-millionaire. I, a millionaire is, a, is, is selling them too short. But he was a drug addict for most of his life and became a multi-millionaire. And um, he said his mom could look him in the face at one point in time. And um, long story short, um, since he is a multi-millionaire now, he says, all you got to do is be right one fucking time. Just be right one time. Fail, 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 fail. I'm right now. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all, you all you got to do is be right one time. And then once yeah. you realize that that's right, you keep doing it. And you keep doing it and you keep perfecting it. And then, you know, as the market changes, you adapt a little bit just so you won't be a dinosaur. Right. But you got to be right one fucking time. Even Gary B says that he was right one time. He was right with YouTube. Yeah. He was even just right with that. You know what I'm saying? And he was, and he was broke living, I mean, broke working for his father, trying to revive his father's wine business. Because that's what he is. He, he, has, he owns a wine business. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know what I'm saying? He was right one time. And that's the whole thing about being an entrepreneur. It's like, we're going to fail, we're going to fail, we're going to fail. And we're going to win, 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 win. And then we're going to lose. And then we're going to win, win, win some more. Then we might catch a little minor L. Right, right. You know, like, one of my biggest, um, one of my biggest inspirations, you know, is my brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell everybody, like, you know, seeing his journey from a basic, you know, a basic drug dealer in California getting locked up and then now owning his own cannabis business and being a cornerstone in his community and taking on big giants in that industry and and spreading his product through California and through some cities in the Midwest. All you got to do is be right one time and all you got to do is believe in yourself. And, you know, understand what your lane is, understand what you can do. Like, he said, when he was selling dope all them years, he understood how to sell it. He said, uh, besides, he, he wasn't hitting the blocks. He was selling edibles to people in corporate America on their on a lunch breaks. Yep, that's the move. And he was learning how to process oils. He was learning how to... Um, do these different things and understanding THC from from a scientific standpoint. You know, he was understanding how to grow. He was understanding how to do all of that stuff. 
And then his vision carried on. He caught it at the right time in the right way because he already understood the business. Right. You know, he just had to get the certificates and get the licenses and get all this extra shit. But he did it, you know what I'm saying? So we just have to understand our lane, what we're good at, what we're not good at. Keep pursuing it, and we'll see each other at the top. I mean, we already at the top of some people's minds. So we just got to be at our version of the top, where our, what the top is for us. Definitely. And that starts with them. Yeah. Man, this was long overdue, man, but, you know, it, it grew when it needed to. You know, it bloomed when it needed yeah. to. I'm so glad you came out, man. Uh, man, for everyone who doesn't follow him, Scott McCloud, man, follow him on all pla- on all platforms and all locations, man. Scott, wait, uh, hang out after this call, man. I do want to talk to you after this, man. Um, But yeah, for everyone else, man, thank you for listening, man. Peace.